In the chapters of Genesis, and from what we've read so far in the Bible, none have had as much content and character development as Abraham. He is not only identified as one of God's favourites, but he is one of the few thus far who have communed with God on a regular basis. Unlike other characters, God handpicks Abraham and his lineage to rule over the promised land and comes to cater to much of Abraham's wants and needs. In some capacity, Abraham can be considered by believers to be something of a spiritual father himself, given that a large number of people are thought to have been descended directly from him. But Abraham wasn't just chosen by chance, no. The Bible tells us that he demonstrated a heightened faith in God, and although he did fail at times, he ultimately proved that his belief was in God, and that time and time again, God would deliver him. We saw him leave the safety of his home, to journey to Canaan, despite not knowing the destination, and we saw him maintain the faith that he would have a son born to him by his wife Sarah, despite the pair of them being very old. Indeed, there were moments of doubt, such as with his encounter with Pharaoh and Abimelech, where he sought to bargain for his life with Sarah's purity. But in the end, he proves that he is certain God knows what's best for him, hence his lack of hesitation when proceeding to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham was also seen to be selfless at times, most notably when giving Lot the choice of which land to settle in. Despite being older and more influential than his nephew, he still allowed for him to take the more bountiful offer, instead of seizing it for himself. It was through this unselfishness, and perhaps this trust in God, that would see God's plan fulfilled, as Abraham continued on to Canaan, where his descendants were multiplied. Furthermore, despite Lot's taking of the more fruitful territory, Abraham still saves his nephew's life, and leads an army to rescue him from the raids of the Twelve Kings. There's also a point to make about Abraham's dedication to God, for we see him often building altars to his Lord, and offering him glory and praise, thus showing his gratitude. Abraham, despite all of his possessions, was also not greedy, and we see him reject the spoils of war when offered a reward from the king of Sodom. All Abraham appears to really want is to fulfill God's intentions and to actualize the covenant. Having been deemed worthy to receive the covenant from God, and given this more virtuous side that many remember him for, Abraham becomes an example of faith and a model for many believers. But despite the greatness of Abraham's life and the many things he had seen and done, everyone's time comes to an end. But the departure of Abraham is not a sad one, for the Bible tells us that he did live 175 years, a time in which he had accomplished virtually the impossible. In his later years, we understand that he did take another wife, whose name was Keturah, and she also bore him sons in Zimran, Joksha, 
Medan, Median, Ishabak, and Shua. The Bible tells us Joshkan was the father of Sheba and Dedan, and the descendants of Dedan were the Ashurites, the Latushites, and the Lumites. The sons of Midian, meanwhile, were Ephah, Ephah, Hanuk, Abida, and Eldar, those who would become the Midianites, as descended from Midian. The Bible shows us here that all of Abraham's sons, regardless of their mother, would go on to become the forefathers of distinct people and communities. It is further proof of God's promise to Abraham that his descendants would be many, and that any child of his would become the father of many great nations. You may remember that this was also true for Ishmael, who was born to the slave Hagar, after Abraham had slept with her under Sarah's instruction. Despite the circumstances, because Ishmael was Abraham's blood, he too would become a father of nations, for he is regarded as the progenitor of the Arabian people, and Islam itself. We then learn of the inheritance, where Abraham leaves everything he owns to his son Isaac. Interestingly, the Bible also tells us, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines, and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Whilst it was predictable that Isaac inherited everything, as was Sarah's request, and probably God's intention too, the fact that these other sons receive gifts is again a testament to Abraham's love for his sons and of his generosity. However, it can also be argued that this was also a shunning in some regards, for he sends these sons away from Isaac's land whilst he is still alive and I imagine it would be hard not to see this as a sort of banishing in favour of the more cherished son. Yet a counter-argument to this would be that Abraham knew his sons could not coincide with Isaac, and would not reach their own greatness if they remained in his shadow. So he sent them east for their own good, knowing that they will achieve greatness elsewhere. Another interesting point to make is that the Bible refers to these sons as the sons of Abraham's concubines, plural. Some have argued that by this, the Bible is referring to Hagar and Keturah, but given that Keturah becomes his wife, and Hagar had already been banished along with Ishmael, it leads some to believe that Abraham had multiple relationships outside of his marriage to either Sarah or Keturah. It is proposed that these love affairs would likely have taken place after the death of Sarah, and perhaps before Abraham had married Keturah, thus maintaining his virtue in the sense that he did not cheat on either woman. But still, it might show us that Abraham's descendants were not confined to just three women, and that there were a lot more that went unnamed. This might be due to the idea that these women were not as great as Sarah, and their offspring were a reflection of this, hence their ambiguity. The Bible continues, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last, 
and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hitti, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. Here we get confirmation of how long Abraham lived and believers are able to reflect on his life and envision all the trials and tribulations that he experienced in this lengthy time period. Having breathed his last, we get the impression that Abraham went peacefully and did not suffer in his death. The statement that he was an old man and full of years tells us that he was at peace with his end, that he died not regretful or wanting, but instead a man who had experienced life to its fullest and was now content. But perhaps the most notable and somewhat poignant part of this chapter is the coming together of Isaac and Ishmael. Whilst their relationship is not discussed, nor are we privy to their feeling towards each other, given that one was essentially banished to the desert and the other raised like a prince, they put aside their differences and work together to achieve a common goal in burying their father, no less in the same tomb that Sarah was buried. After Abraham's death, we are told that God blessed Isaac, who then lived near the region of Beer Lahai Roy. We are shown here that the torch is passed from one generation to the next, and the blessings once reserved for Abraham were transferred to Isaac, where through him the work of the Lord would continue. <laughs>